Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. What will your memorial service or funeral be like? I know some of you have thought through that. You've picked the songs and you've picked the scripture readings for your service. In fact, if you've not done that, believe it or not, we have forms, for real, that you can fill out that details what you want in your service. And for many of you, we have that. And I know some of you don't even want to think about that. But one of the most popular passages read at memorial services and funerals comes from Psalm 90. And the scripture says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Of course, that does no good for the person who is the centerpiece of the funeral, right? It's supposed to be for those of us who are living. Teach us a number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We think, okay. Since the person who is the subject of the funeral cannot do anything about that, let's see those of you who are still in the land of living. This is addressed to you. So what does it mean to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom? Well, but part of that means that life is short, then you die, or life is short, it flies by. I mean, think about it. I'm, this week, I'm going to drop my third child off to college. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's quick. Things go by quick. This past week, I heard about the seven stages of life. I don't know if you've heard of this, but this is pretty amazing. Like the seven stages of life. Okay, first stage is spills. You're a little baby. You knock things over. The second stage is drills, school, right? Third stage is thrills. Yay, we're getting married. Yay. And the fourth stage is bills. Yeah. And the fifth stage is ills. The sixth stage is pills. And the last stage is wills. Yeah, that's how life is progressing. And it starts and it ends. And we are called to make the most of it. As Jonathan Edwards has said, and this is what he prayed. And this is what I want to kind of be our emphasis today. Was we say to the Lord, Lord, stamp eternity on our eyeballs. Stamp eternity on our eyeballs. That we look at every single relationship we have and we live that in light of eternity, every circumstance, okay, we're going to die, we're going to be with the Lord one day. We'd live that in light of eternity. Stamp eternity on our eyeballs. And the psalm that's going to enable us to do that is Psalm 90, the oldest psalm in the Bible written not by David, but by Moses. What? Moses. 
He has a psalm in the book of Psalms. And that's what we're looking at at Psalm 90. And many scholars believe that this is during the time uh, he wrote this when the Israelites were wandering in the desert. And, and I do want to refresh your memory a bit. You, you remember they f- were free from Egypt and God's like, let's go to the promised land. So they send out 12 spies, 10 come back and say, no go. Those are some big dudes in the promised land. No way, we can't do it. And two people said, no, we can do it. And the Israelites said, forget it. We are not going in the promised land. Let's go back to Egypt. And so God punished them and they wandered around in the desert for 40 years, and those 20 and over, says Caleb and Joshua, were not going to go in. And in the midst of that wandering, Moses writes this psalm. Let me kind of break it down with you so you kind of know where we're going. We're going to talk about the first portion of it, that God is great and eternal. And then we're going to look at ourselves. We are frail and we perish. And the next part is we are under God's wrath and yet God is full of grace. So let's do this. We go through Psalm 90, verse one. Let's start. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Just imagine the Israelites out in the desert living in tents, living in tents for 40 years and just wandering around with no permanent home. When God said move, they had to move and the sand was everywhere and they had wild animals that would attack. They were continually wandering without a place to call home. And in the midst of all that, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Lord, you are our home. Not this tent, not this wilderness, not this hot springs village home, not this rental you may be living in, That is not your permanent dwelling place. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place from generation to generation because the Lord is eternal. Now look at verse two. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before the world was created, God existed. And one of the things that blows my kids' minds and even my mind is how has God always existed? He was never created. It says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Pastor Ray Stedman says that the Hebrew here suggests the translation everlasting to everlasting means from vanishing point in the past to vanishing point in the future. Because many pagan concepts of God is that the gods began somewhere. They were were created. And you'll see a lot of this in pagan mythology. But God was never created and God will never end. And for those of you who are in Christ Jesus, who trust in Christ Jesus, God is our home now, and God is our home forever, for he is an eternal God. And we must know this, because now the story, or the psalm, takes a turn for the worse. (laughs) Look at verse 3. You turn man back into dust and say, return, O children of men. God controls human life. He determines when we are born and when we die. It is not a chance when someone dies. It's in God's purposes. We may not understand the circumstances around that. We don't know why certain things happen, but God determines life, and in his sovereign plan, God determines death. We might not know all the details. And the imagery of returning to dust is a reference to 3.19 in Genesis. 
Genesis 3.19 says, by the seed of your brow you will eat food and you will till you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you will return. So God sets these limits to life. We come from dust and we'll return to dust. And what we are seeing is that God is eternal contrasted with the brevity of life. Look at verse four. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by or as a watch in the night. Some think this, this thousand year reference is talking about Methuselah who lived to almost a thousand years old. And that sounds really old to us. I don't know how you would feel about living to be a thousand years old, but in God's sight, it's just like a day or it goes by like a watch in the night, which is about a four to five hour period. It's just like that for God. But for us, we're gone. Look at the imagery continued in verses five and six. You have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. Grass in the desert lands of Israel may sprout up new in the morning, but the sun would soon scorch it. And humans are the same way. We're here for a little while, and then we're out of here. And God sends us back to dust. And our length of life here is determined by him, but it's like a watch in the night for him. And he will sweep us away, and we will be as dead as grass. You're thinking, man, this is really discouraging. But if God is everlasting, and he is our home, the question we have to ask ourselves is, why do we die like that? And why, why is it so hard when we're here? One author described it as the tragic sense of life, that no matter how many good things we experience in life, there's this twinge of something not quite right. I don't think anybody would say their life is perfect. And maybe some of you would say you've experienced something more suffering or more bad times than good times, and you wonder why that is. What's well, something called the fall, right? Something called sin. Things are messed up because of the sin in the world. And every single one of us live on this earth under something that has been called a canopy of wrath. Now, I want to make sure you understand this canopy of wrath. The whole world is under the wrath of God because of sin, but it's true that believers who are in Jesus Christ are not under the wrath of God. Like the wrath has been poured on Jesus for those who trust in him are clothed in righteousness and forgiving, forgiven. That's true for eternity. But as long as we live on this earth, we're under the canopy of wrath, which means that we have experiences just like everyone else. We're tainted with sin. And since this is a fallen creation, we're in this world and we have problems. People die. Babies die. You get sick. Kids get sick. Relationships break. Things don't go as planned. Your body fails you. It's under this canopy of wrath called the fall. So we're under wrath. That's what God says. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. 
Now, keep in mind that this could be really evident to Moses if they are in the wilderness and wandering from their disobedience entering Canaan. And I would say, in a sense, God sends his judgment and discipline upon his children when we are living lives of disobedience. But God's wrath and anger are justified because we've offended him and sin has led this world into a sentence of death. Verse eight, you have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins and the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. God sees all of our sins. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows what's inside of us. If the person next to you know what is inside of you and in your mind, they would get far away from you, right? And yet God knows all of that. And it's talking about his wrath is aimed at humanity. He sees that we're sinners and we contribute to this tragic sense of life. And we all die because of sin. And now we have the length of life described in verse 10. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. There's the hymn right there, I'll fly away. So the average lifespan is around 70 to 80 years. The guy who's writing this lived to be about 120. And I once read about this, this man in America. His name was Arthur Reed. Maybe you've heard of him. He lived to be 123 years old. He married for the third time when he was 92. He took five-mile walks when he was 100 and rode a bicycle until he was 110. He worked until he was 116 What are you doing with your life? (laughs) And he was asked, like, what's the secret of long life? And he said, they made me of good dirt. Well, no matter how good the dirt we're made of, our bodies will eventually waste away and will fade away like flowers, fleeting morning mist, and the dissipating clouds. And you would think, I cannot believe that still happens, all the technology we have. All the technology we have, we've not figured out how to not die. We've not fixed that yet. Can you believe that, right? With all the the cool gadgets we have, there's no app for death. Still, all of us, we're going to die. And why is that? Verse 11, who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you. We're all under this canopy of wrath. So the question is, if that's the situation we find ourselves in, what are we supposed to do? I mean, this is life. We know we're in Christ. God's wrath has been turned away, but we're still gonna die. We're fading away. Our friends die. Our neighbors die. Some of our kids have died. Even some of our grandkids are like, okay, how are we to process our lives when we know that one day, perhaps in this church, we're going to have your funeral? Like, how do we process that? Well, Moses gives us some ways to process that that I think will be helpful to all of us. Look at verse 12. So teach us to number our days 
that we may gain or present to you a heart of wisdom. This is a petition. Say, God, stamp eternity on my eyeballs so I know that life is short and it is passing. And you may wonder, well, what does it look like to number your days? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't look like, all right? I've been journaling pretty much every morning since 1993, kind of trying to follow the great missionary Jim Elliott who did that. And somewhere along the way over the years, I decided one year that I was going to number my days. So I took the fact that let's just assume I live to be 80. I took whatever age I was at that time and subtracted the number of the days. And each day for that year, I would write the date, the time, and the number of days I had left to live. And I would count down each day. For this crowd, I don't recommend that. (laughs) You're like, some of you are in the negative territory, right? It's like bonus time, overtime, right? So don't do that. But what does it mean to to number our days? It's basically, we, we say, Lord, okay, show us. We got a little time left. How do we make the most of it? How do we make the most of loving people? How do we make the most of these circumstances? We know it's fleeting. We know it's gone. What am I supposed to do while I'm here? Show me. And the reason why we want to know that life is short, we say, God, teach us a number of ways that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Think about it. We want a heart of wisdom. If we're about to die and see the Lord, is that sin that we're so caught up in Really that great? Life is short. If life is short, is it really we're going to live in unforgiveness until we die and meet our maker? Are you serious? Life is short. What are we doing with the time that we have left? Don't waste them. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. I don't care how many days you have left. Don't waste them. Make the most of the opportunities that you have to walk with the Lord with that eternity stamped on your eyeballs so you can see people in eternal perspective. Everything you're doing, eternal perspective. That's what we want. And and Moses, he's not done. He, He keeps on praying. He wants some grace. He knows that life is short. He knows they're experiencing discipline. Look what else he says. Verse 13. Do return, O Lord, How long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. (laughs) He's basically saying, have compassion on us. We have sinned. We've been foolish. We want some compassion. And he says in verse 14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he says, oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you've afflicted us and the years we've seen evil. He's saying, for all the days we've had hard times in our foolishness, make us glad. Make us have joy in you. Give us that satisfaction each morning when we wake up that there can be joy in you. And you know who answers prayers like that? It's God. And he gives us joy in him no matter what the circumstances are. And I know some of you right now are going through some stuff, some stuff that is really tough. And you got to say, God, give me joy in you no matter what's going on. Give me joy in you no matter poor choices that I've made in my past. Give me joy in you. 
How about that for a prayer? How about waking up tomorrow and saying, oh Lord, satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love that I may be glad and rejoice all my days. That's a prayer right there. And he also has a prayer for his generation and their children. Did you see it? Look at verse 16. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. That's saying, God, we want to see you move. We want to see you move. And we want our kids to see you move. It's a great prayer to pray for your children and your grandchildren. As you have encountered Christ in your life, and he has changed your life, he's worked miracles for you, you say, Lord, do the same for my kids. Do the same for my grandkids. Yes, we have made decisions that are not the best. Yes, I've hurt my kids and my grandkids by some of my decisions, but Lord, turn it around. Turn it around. Have mercy on them. Let them see your majesty, your power, your glory. And then he finishes in verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And that's a prayer for saying, Lord, we're here. It's short. We die. But while we're here, let us live for you. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can take this brevity of life and and think about it. Because you're going to talk to people about it, especially here in the village. Sometimes you talk about it humorously, which is good, and sometimes seriously. I was telling my family a joke I heard this week. You know, I'm not much of a joker, but occasionally I tell jokes. And I told a story about a guy. This is probably not true, but it's just a good joke. A guy went in to see his doctor, and the doctor said, I have some bad news for you, and I have some good news for you. What do you want first? And he said, okay, doctor, uh, I'll take some good news. I could use some good news. What's the good news? He said, well, you have 48 hours to live. He's like, that's the good news? He said, well, okay, doctor, what's the bad news? And the doctor said, I've been trying to reach you for two days. So at times, we joke about the brevity of life, the shortness of life. I mean, I see many of you on Sunday mornings in the lobby, how you're doing today? And you will say stuff like, well, it feels good to be above ground. How are you doing today? Well, it feels good to be upright, you know? Things like that. Because we joke about it, because we know that it's really painful. It's short. And we know we don't have much time left. So the issue is, what are you going to do with the short amount of time that you have left, that all of us have left? What are you going to do? And you will be around people who don't know Jesus. And they will say stuff like, well, I got a little bit of time left on this earth. I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to make the most of it. And you'll say to them, yep, but do you know you're going to die? And they say, yeah, 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 it's okay. I'm going to die. I'm going to make the most of my time left while I'm alive. I'm going to seize the day. And and the picture is like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. They know that they're going to splat, right? And they're like, you know what? It's okay. 
I'm going to put my arms out and fly like a bird. I'm going to enjoy the sunshine on my face before I splat. I'm going to make the most of every opportunity I have in this world. I'm going to do my bucket list and crank it out. I'm going to explore. I'm going to go around the world. It's going to be great. I'm going to suck as much as I can out of this life. It's going to be wonderful. But not you. Do you understand that everyone in here, if you're a believer in Christ, we're not getting closer and closer to our life ending we're getting closer and closer to it just beginning. Do you understand that? So we don't have to live like the world does. We do not have to. We don't have to say, oh no, it's almost over. No, no, it's just about to begin as we are in Christ. So we have eternity stamped on our eyeballs. We see people. We're like, man, do you know Jesus? And I say that to you, some of you in here, do you know Christ? Like, this is a real story. This really happened. This is reality. God has given you an opportunity today to put your faith in him, to repent, to be reconciled to a holy God whose wrath is on this world. But you can know him through Jesus. You can turn from your sin and put your faith in him right now. Time is short. It's running out. We can proclaim that message to our neighbors and our friends. And we can take these circumstances that we have. And some of you right now, you may be in a lot of pain. Your body's not working the way you want it to, but you're still alive. It's still time to pray. It's still time to invest in the kingdom. It's still time to seek the Lord. And we can pray daily. Wake up, Lord, satisfy us in you and stamp eternity on our eyeballs. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.